Welcome to the Apostolic Keynote Podcast from King of Faith Church. This message is by Colin Urquhart. It's a matter of common sense, really. The only way for the will of God to be fulfilled in our lives or in anybody's life is through obedience to him. There is no other way. If I asked you to do something or told you to do something and you did it, you would be obeying me, you would be doing my will. If you chose to do something other than what I told you to do, you would be disobeying. What I told you to do, you would be disobeying my will, you would have chosen self above obedience. Now, that's obvious, but of course, the same principle is true when it comes to our relationship with God. The only way to fulfill his will is to obey his word and the spirit who brings his word to us. And the scripture makes clear that if we love him, we will obey him. So really it's not so much a matter of obedience as a matter of love. The obedience will come out of love. And we can only love him because he first loved us. So we need to live in the revelation of the wonder how great is the love of God for us so that we can respond in love for him and out of that love for him we will obey his commands and therefore see the will of God being fulfilled in our lives. It's a whole process. But of course, relationship is at the heart of it because love for God and his love for us is expressed in relationships. So everything that God is wanting to do in our lives now or at any other time is to enhance that relationship. It's a relationship of love, a relationship therefore of unity with him, but it's a relationship of dependence upon him. Because he is so much greater than us, we are yoked together with him. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. We're yoked together with him, but we're yoked together with someone who is so much greater, so much stronger, so much more powerful, so much more wonderful than any of us. So if we're yoked with him, he says his yoke is easy, his burden is light, because he takes the strain. And all we have to do is keep in step with him. And what does it mean to keep in step with him? You, you simply walk in loving obedience to him. Now, we're going to look just for a few moments before we pray this morning at uh, the children of Israel and why they didn't and why they did enter into the promised land. Now, there's 
so much in the Old Testament about this, but there are lessons that we need to learn from this. We all know that at first they failed to enter into the promised land. Now, why did they fail to do that? They failed, the scripture says, through disobedience, through unbelief, through their own willfulness. Now, the result of all of that negativity was that God condemned them to traveling around the wilderness for a whole generation, for 40 years. That's a pretty bad outcome for disobedience and unbelief. And those two things go together, you see. There won't be obedience without faith because what God commands us to do is always to operate by faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. But faith is acting on the, obedient, on the word of God in obedience, believing that what he promises will then unfold and be fulfilled. So the scripture says, if we keep reading, there's so many passages, especially in Deuteronomy. If you look in the obedience section of the 150 themes, you'll see all the relevant scriptures there. That uh, God was causing them to spend these 40 years in the wilderness. The scripture says essentially to humble them. Now, all kinds of catastrophic things went on in the wilderness, and yet God still loved him, his children. He still cared for them. He healed them. He provided for them. But all the rebellion that there was in their hearts came out into the open. All the disobedience uh, that there was uh, actually could not be hidden. It became exposed in order that of course, God could deal with his people. What he demonstrated was that that generation didn't deserve to enter the promised land, but could not enter the promised land because of the nature of their hearts. So the scripture says that God's purpose of causing them to wander for 40 years in the wilderness was to humble them, to bring them into submission to him, to his will, to his ways. Of course, his desire was for them to do this out of love. Now, we don't want to be wandering around in any spiritual wilderness. God's Purpose is for us to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God so that in due course he may exalt us. It's much better to humble yourself than to need to be humbled by God. So we have this 
this strange tension in some ways where we are one with him in love. We live in him. He lives in us. And at the same time, we live in the fear of the Lord. Because without the fear of the Lord, you won't live in humility. You won't live humbly submitted to him, to his will, and to his way. So they had to learn this obedience. Now, what God did in his judgment was to say that the generation that refused to enter in through faith and obedience would not be allowed to enter in at all. But the generation that was brought up under them, they would. So this, these principles of obedience and love were having to be expressed in the generation, in the young generation, the new generation, if you like, that was brought up under the generation of those who had failed to go in because of their disobedience and unbelief. And so we come to the time when they do enter in, not under Moses, but under Joshua. He was put in charge, if you like, of this new generation. And only the the two that were sent in uh, to spy out the land and came back with faith, only they were allowed of that former generation to enter into the promise that God had given them. Now, If we turn to Joshua chapter 1, I know this is very well-known scripture. But just because we know it doesn't mean we need to ignore it. But we need to make sure that we are learning what we need to learn from it. So in the light of the previous failure, and now God saying it's time for them to fulfill the promise of entering in and taking possession of the land, which, of course, is what God is telling us to do through harvest. There are these key principles that are going to have to be put into operation. So we know this wonderful promise in verse 3 of chapter 1, I will give you every place where you set your foot. As I promised Moses, that was a promise given to Moses. Now God repeats that promise to Joshua. So that's the kind of scripture that Christians love to quote. But God's purpose is not for us to be able to quote it, but for us to see it actually happening. So that we see that the purpose of God is established wherever we set our foot. Now, that can only happen if the purposes of God are being worked out in our own lives. We can establish, or God can use us to establish, his kingdom rule and reign wherever he puts us, wherever we go, 
so long as we ourselves are submitted to that sovereign rule and reign. You can't establish something that you're not living in yourself. Uh, this is the whole way in which God works. He, he will not allow, he will not allow uh, things to happen unless we ourselves are living our message. So <clears throat> if we want other people to come out of lives of disobedience and unbelief, that can only happen if we ourselves are living in obedience and in faith. God can use such a people to establish obedience, to establish faith where it doesn't exist. So long as those things are being expressed in our own lives. So God gives Joshua a whole series of promises Verse 5, no one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And that is a promise that is true for us as well as for Joshua. So he gives them these promises. Then the commands begin. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. So God is going to see the outworking of his purpose, but of course he always does that through people and through leadership especially. The leaders have to lead the way and give the example. So he is saying to Joshua, be strong and courageous. Without those qualities, you will not be able to enter in to possess the land. So this isn't going to come through, you know, weakness uh, or through fear and intimidation. You're going to need to be bold. Remember what God was teaching us towards the end of last term about praying with boldness, crying out to him day and night so that we will not be refused. It's the way Jesus taught the disciples to pray, and it's the way he wants us to pray. So be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers give them, to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Then, you see, be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or the left. Now, we're not talking now about Obedience to a legalistic code, but obedience to, to Jesus in our relationship with him. The principle, though, is the same. Be careful to obey. Amen? If we want to be fruitful in the way that God intends, then we have to be careful to obey. You see... <clears throat> Obedience and faith go hand in hand. If you are walking in disobedience to the Lord, one of the things that suffers immediately is your confidence before God. You know that things are not right in some way, in some area of your life, between you and the Lord. Therefore, your confidence 
is affected. And if your confidence is affected, you cannot proceed with faith in the way that he intends. You will not be bold and very courageous. So obedience is absolutely essential to the life of faith. As Paul makes out in, in Romans chapter 1 verse 5 when he talks about the obedience of faith. That his apostolic responsibility is to teach people the obedience of faith. That's what he is, is saying. So <clears throat> these two things go hand in hand. The loving obedience and the faith and dependence upon the Lord. So be careful to obey everything that is, is written. And then God promises at the end of verse 8, you will be prosperous and successful. You will be successful in what I'm calling you to do, which in our context is to enter not a land of promise, but the land of promises, to see the fulfillment of all the promises God has given us concerning multiplication, harvest, and so on. Have I not commanded you, verse 9, be strong and courageous, do not be uh, terrified, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So God is under no illusion that uh, Joshua will not be able to take the land, nor will the people. This can only be done by God himself. But he's going to use his people and the only way in which he can use them is through obedience. So they're going to have to cross the Jordan River when it's in flood. And so God gives them the strategy to do that. How the priests are to carry the ark and to stand in the water and God will pile up the waters and the people will walk over in dry land. That's the strategy. It can only work if the people obey it. When, of course, they enter into the promised land, their first obstacle is the uh, city of Jericho. They need to take the city of Jericho. God gives them a strategy to do that. They actually take it without a shot being fired, without anybody being killed. Any of them. Why? Because they obey the strategy that God gives them. It's all a matter of obedience. So they take the city. We will take the land, not because we get all excited, but because we obey what God tells us to do. Everything is going to have to be the outworking of his strategy. And that's why God has given us the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit leads us. It says the sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. So he leads us in the way. He leads us. He tells us, if you like, what it is we are to do. But he doesn't simply tell us. He then enables us to do it. So the Holy Spirit is the voice of God to us, but he is also the enabler. So Joshua knows that what he needs to do is to see, to ensure that the people are prepared, that they are ready 
to enter in with faith and obedience in the way that the former generation failed to do so. So we, we read um, that their response, the people's response to what, Jesus, to what Joshua said in verse 16, whatever you have commanded us, we will do. And whatever you, wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we fully obeyed Moses, so we will obey you. I've been away from Horsham for the last few weeks because I've been preaching here, there, and everywhere. But um, Pastor Clive was telling me at the uh, end of the meeting last night what he's been teaching, uh, what he's been preaching in the church in these last two or three weeks. And uh, it's absolutely exactly what, what is needed to be said because he has been instructing the congregation, the people, what they should be doing in their homes and in other contexts in order for God's will and purpose to be outworked. And he was saying the great thing is that a great number of the people in the congregation are doing what he says. This is absolutely essential as a, a, as a prelude to the harvest. Because when, when, the, um, when we begin to see more and more people coming into the body of Christ, they need to be coming into a people of obedience. You see, new believers don't know how to live the Christian life. And they don't, they don't respond to what they're told. They respond to what they see. And so they look at what others in the church are doing and they say, well, if that's what it means to be a Christian, then I would do what they're doing. And so it's, it's essential that people come in to, I mean, it's true all the time, of course, not just in harvest, but it's going to be particularly uh, the case in harvest time that people are coming into an obedient body. The people that are outworking the will of God, that they're doing what they're told. And that, of course, as we know in Scripture, involves doing what the leadership tells you, not simply doing what God tells you, because God raises up the leadership and speaks through the leadership, where the Spirit of God is, especially where the Spirit of God is moving. So it's very important that the congregation are responding to what Clive is telling them to do, because if they did not, then they would be in rebellion, not against Clive, but against God. Authority, remember, is where God chooses to place it. And it's not, all authority belongs to the Lord. So he will express his authority through, uh, through the leadership in that way. So this is all an indispensable part of God preparing the body for what he has promised, what he intends, what his purpose is in the whole multiplication and harvest that is to come. So it's good that the people have this attitude, whatever you have commanded us, we will do, and wherever you send us, we will go. 
just as we fully obeyed Moses, so we will obey you. Well, this is the new generation, not the, not the disobedient, rebellious one. But even if their obedience is not perfect, and even if our obedience is not perfect, praise God we have the blood of Jesus. We have the cleansing of, of that blood that forgives us for all of our disobedience. It's not by our own righteousness, but by his righteousness that we will enter in and take possession of the land. So they, um, they cross the Jordan. Why? Because they are being obedient to the leadership that the, that, uh, the Lord is giving them. In chapter 3, verse 3, Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Now, really, the message last night was such a message. Tomorrow, in the immediate future, God is going to do amazing things amongst us. Those amazing things have actually already begun. But he is going to do increasingly greater things and more wonders uh, as his purpose progresses in our lives. So the people consecrate themselves. They dedicate themselves for the purpose of God. Now, we have given our lives to the Lord. I have taught you that when Jesus died on the cross and you died with him, he in fact consecrated you that what, what we do in, in a life of consecration is actually acknowledge the way in which our lives have been given and now are owned, possessed by God because he paid the price for us with his precious blood. So in the sense, we have been consecrated, but we consecrate ourselves in the sense that we acknowledge our consecration. We acknowledge we belong to the Lord not for our purposes, not simply to be blessed by God, but for the fulfilling and the outworking of his purposes. Are you all with me? Okay, so consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Now, that means that God is saying, well, you don't just sit back and wait for the amazing things. You understand that you are part of the whole dynamic, because here... Um, Joshua is talking to all the people. So consecrate yourselves. The priests will have to particularly consecrate themselves because of the part that they're to play, how God is miraculously going to use them to enable the people to cross over the Jordan. But when it comes to the taking of Jericho, for example, all the people are going to have to obey in order that that uh, the purpose, the strategy, the plan of God is going to be outworked. All this is pretty obvious stuff. But you see, sometimes we miss the obvious because the obvious is so obvious, we sometimes forget that we have to do it, not just know it. And this is part of the, one of the biggest problems 
in the Christian life is people think that if they know what is right, that's good enough. But as far as God is concerned, knowing what is right has to lead to doing what is right. And it's only doing what is right that glorifies him. Knowing what is right doesn't glorify him, but the outworking of it in practice does glorify him. So Joshua then gives the instructions, what the priests are to do, take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on ahead of the people and so on. And then the Lord gives this um, promise to Joshua. Today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel that they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant when you reach the edge of the Jordan waters, go and stand in the river. Now this simply speaks to us of God's purpose. There, there always has to be leader in, in any in any structure where people meet together, there has to be leadership in a school, leadership in the army, leadership in a business. Uh, it, it's, it's essential, otherwise there's anarchy and chaos, confusion, and nothing would ever get done. And there has to be leadership in the church. And so it's for the leaders to know the strategy of God, to get the mind and the heart of God, like Uh, Pastor Clive has been teaching the people these last few weeks, so that then that can be put into operation by the whole body and the whole body can move together in unity. What you will often find is that before a move of God like this, people with disobedient, rebellious hearts have left. There's been a kind of a, a filtering system that has gone on. Uh... And, and as I've been moving around, uh, I've, I've discovered in each situation that same thing is true, that certain characters that had been causing quite a lot of disturbance in those churches have moved, and then God is, is, can begin to move through the unity of the brethren, because where there is unity, he commands the blessing. Hallelujah. So... It's very important for people to be of one heart and of one mind. We don't want people who think they know better than the leadership that God has put in place. That in scripture is rebellion. So Joshua says to to the people in in verse 9 of chapter 3, Come here and listen to the words of the Lord our God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you, and that he will certainly drive out before you all the, all the um, termites for, uh, for, <laughs> for short. Uh, see, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. Then verse 13, as soon as the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. So God gives them the instructions, and of course when they put them into practice, it is exactly as the Lord has said. The miraculous takes place. And this is the key to the miraculous. Uh, when God uses you to perform a miracle, you don't, of course, 
perform the miracle. But in nearly every situation, you have to be obedient to what God tells you to do. That obedience may simply be to pray in a certain way or to exercise authority in a certain way. But your part is simply to obey what he tells you to do and then the miracle takes place. His command might be simply to believe because, of course, obedience and faith go hand in hand. But whatever he tells you to do will always work out in practice. Are you listening to me? God will never tell you to do something that does not work. And this is the thing about the will of God, you see. It is utterly, totally, completely practical. People that live in a sort of super spiritual haze, super spits, I call them, uh, they live in total unreality. And people that live in unreality do not bear fruit. And what glorifies the Lord is not people thinking they have a wonderful spiritual life, but their obedience to what he commands them to do so that they bear fruit. So the key element of obedience is what enables the bearing of fruit, is what therefore enables the harvesters to harvest the harvest. We, and so this is why Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. This was one of his parting words, wasn't it, to his disciples. How did the Father send him? The Father sent him to obey. If Jesus had not obeyed the Father, there would be no salvation for anyone. The, the miracle, if you like, of Jesus' humanity was that he obeyed perfectly, that he was without sin so that when he offered his life as a sacrifice on the cross, it was a sinless, perfect, blameless sacrifice, which therefore could cover the sins of all humanity, of all those who are not perfect and who are blameworthy who are sinners, not those who walk in perfection. So his perfection has covered all of our imperfection. Somebody say hallelujah. So we are completely dependent on the blood of Jesus to keep in that relationship of love and unity with him. So I want to come back, just as we, we draw this together, to what I was saying last night, or what the scripture was saying in 1 John about the spirit, the water, and the blood. You see, those three elements, if we like, that particular trinity, enables our obedience and covers every aspect of disobedience. So, because of God's supply, he has supplied the spirit, he supplies the living water, he has supplied the blood for us. 
because of his supply, we are able to fulfill the will and the purpose of God. Now, Jesus made clear that if people are not faithful in little things, they won't be put in charge of greater things. And one of the ways in which we can understand the meaning of that is to appreciate that this means that if we don't obey him in little things, we're not going to obey him in greater things. We can't expect to obey him in great things if we're not obeying him in the little things. So this is where we're not waiting for some great command from heaven, go and do this mighty miracle, or go and you are going to see 25 people come to the Lord in an afternoon. Uh, He may well say things like that in due course, but we're not at that place yet. But the important thing now is that we are consecrated to the Lord, that we have consecrated ourselves in order that we will obey whatever he is putting in front of us to do now. See, we can forget the greater things if we don't do what he puts in front of us now. Uh, Again, if we were to go back to Deuteronomy, it says there that God allowed that whole generation to wander around in the wilderness to test their heart. So before we see all the great blessings of multiplication, God tests the hearts of those that he is going to use in that whole process. So he will test our hearts. Now, he does that in two ways whether we trust him and are therefore truly submitted to him, living dependent upon him. And secondly, whether we are loving one another. I didn't say whether we're loving him, but whether we're loving one another. Because, you see, we are only truly loving him if we love one another. Because whatever we do to the least of these, our brethren, uh, his brethren, we do to him. So the command that goes with the new covenant is you are to love one another as I have loved you. So the Lord puts us in this situation now where we have all these great and wonderful promises of what he's about to do. Uh, and that means he's going to do it, but he knows also how important it is to prepare the hearts of the people that he is going to use to gather the harvest. Amen? So the consecration 
the way in which we respond to the need of that is to have to ask the Holy Spirit to show us, okay, Lord, are there ways in which at present I am not depending upon you in the way that you intend? Am I depending upon myself or am I depending upon others rather than depending upon you? And of course, if we pray that from our hearts, if we want God to show us the answer to that, then he will do that. But of course, when he shows us the answer, then we are to act accordingly so that we come into that greater dependence upon him. Likewise, we need not to examine ourselves because you, you, you don't get the right answers that way, but to ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, are there ways in which I am not loving others as you have loved me? Show me what those ways are. And uh, as he does so, again, you will need to take action. Now, the consequence of this is not that God produces the harvest through your good works, but what happens as a result is that you are more dependent upon him so that faith can operate in your life for the benefit of others, for the benefit of those that we're going to gather in, in the harvest, and that the love of God is going to embrace those who come into the kingdom. You must always remember what Jesus prayed in the great high priestly prayer of John 17. Father, may they be one so that the world will know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. And you've heard me say before, it's a catastrophic mistake, I think, that the church has made over the centuries by devising all kinds of means of evangelism where for Jesus, the chief means of evangelism is that we love one another. Seems, on the face of it, to be inward looking, but Jesus knows it's totally the opposite that where there is love for one another, the world will be impacted. Why is that? Well, everybody in the world needs to be loved and actually wants to be loved. Many, of, many, many, many people, the vast majority of people, have been disappointed in love and in the way, in their experience of love and have been let down and failed by others. So to find a love that works, a love that is constant, a love that is consistent, a love that is faithful, a love that values people for themselves and doesn't have any ulterior selfish motives is something that most people in the world don't even realize exists. 
because sadly the church does not read churches the whole church does not radiate that kind of love is not known for that kind of love in fact what the world says is you christians are no different from anybody else that is a terrible indictment really on the church because we ought to appear to be very different from everybody else but that difference begins not with what we can do as individuals but what we can do corporately as the body of Christ so you see um john says in in his epistle that the work of god is this to believe that jesus is the son of god and to love one another as he has loved us that to john closest to jesus the one who understood him better than any others that to john sums up the will of god for his people believe love one another 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 and those of you in the second year have been through 1 john i should be taking this the the first years through 1 john this term and i show you how in john in in that letter john weaves together these two themes of faith and love he speaks of faith and then of love of faith and then of love of faith and then of love then he brings the two together the only thing that counts paul said is faith working through love it's the combination of these two things the obedience of faith the obedience of love obedience if you like is the common denominator for both faith and love so the important thing when we talk about these issues of obedience and so on is not to fix our eyes on ourselves this is why i say don't don't go through a process of self examination ask the holy spirit to show you where there isn't dependence upon him where there isn't love for others don't do a self analysis that actually goes against what the word of god tells us to do but let the holy spirit do that purifying refining work now that's a process that he's already been taking us through the last term especially there was a lot of purifying and and uh, refining going on in in our lives but as we as we come right on the verge if you like of crossing the jordan into the land of promises seeing the fulfillment of what god has been saying we need to be as as joshua says to the people we'll consecrate yourselves now this is the time not to leave issues unresolved but to resolve any issues that are left to be resolved so that we can have absolute confidence not in ourselves but confidence in god that we can be channels of his grace channels of his life channels of his love channels of his power in the way that he intends 
It doesn't mean that we will come to a state of perfection before God moves. If, if, if that was necessary, God would never move anywhere at any time because we never actually live in that perfection. But let us remember what the cleansing of the blood of Jesus accomplishes. It makes us totally acceptable in God's sight. It does make us perfect before him. So when you are cleansed by the precious blood of Jesus, you stand perfect before him according to to, um, Hebrews chapter 10. You stand in that perfection. Sadly, we don't live out that perfection perfectly. But don't let us look at ourselves as being imperfect, but as those who are made perfect. And that's why we need to depend upon the blood. And this living water, this morning, uh, when when I was praying, God, God was saying, you know, look upstream, see that water. And in the vision he gave, the, the current, the flow of water is going to increase. He said, see it coming, rushing towards you, washing over you, washing through you, purifying, cleansing, enabling. Hallelujah. Because, you know, the trees by that water, when they have their roots down, they are able to produce their fruit in season. Hallelujah. And the season is, is not just once a year. So we praise God. We bless him because what a privilege. What a privilege to be here at such a time as this, eh? When God is saying these things to us and, and uh, equipping us and preparing us, getting us ready for what he's to do. But let me emphasize again and again and again, don't get your eyes on yourself. Get your eyes on him but respond to whatever he shows you. He needs to tweak, to change in your heart, in your life. So you're not just, when you cry out to him, burying stuff that you don't want to face, but actually you're crying out to him out of a pure heart, out of a mind that he has been renewing, according to his will, so you know the good, acceptable, perfect will of God. Problem is often in the mind, isn't it? In the thinking, getting the thinking right, getting the thinking straight. Hallelujah. If the thinking's right, the words will be right, the attitudes will be right, the actions will be right, the relationships will be right. Praise God. Let's all stand and come into the middle. You know, the danger is some people can think, well, I'll deal with that issue when God convicts me of it. No, no. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. That is a recipe for disobedience, isn't it? But open your heart to the Lord and say, Lord, I want you to convict me of anything and everything that is detrimental to your will and purpose. Because I want to be right at the heart of what you are going to do 
in these coming days, weeks, months, years. Are you praying? Hallelujah. This is not noisy prayer time, but this is allowing God to do a deep work in our hearts. Thank you, Lord, for the purifying power of your blood. Thank you for that river of pure water that flows from your throne. Thank you for the spirit of holiness, for the spirit of purity that you have placed within us. And we thank you, Lord, that we don't have any self-righteousness. Preserve us, save us from any attitudes of self-righteousness. For you are our righteousness. You are our holiness. You are our purity. So because you live within us, Lord, and because we live in you, we want to be clean. We want to be clean, Lord. Because we know that if we stand before you clean of heart, we can have such confidence and we can believe that whatever you command us to do, we are able to do through your spirit. And all the promises that go with those commands, we will see fulfilled. So we bless you, Lord. We praise you. So just we'll we'll just spend I, I won't lead for a few minutes, we'll just have time to engage with God now. Remember, keep your focus on Him, not yourself. We thank you, Lord, for your spirit of faith. May that spirit be operating in each one of our hearts and lives. That we might trust you in all things. Depend upon you in every way. Rather than trust in ourselves, depend upon ourselves. And do things in our way instead of your way. So we thank you for that precious gift of the spirit of faith. We thank you, Lord, that love is the first fruit of your Holy Spirit. Lord, we want a fresh baptism of love in our lives. Not simply love for you, Lord, but that that love will overflow to love for others. That we will live for others rather than ourselves. That by your mercy we will 
love one another, those around us, those with whom we have immediate contact. But we will also therefore be ready to embrace in love all those that you send to us. And we won't leave it for others to love them, but we ourselves will be ready, open, prepared to love and welcome and bless those who you send to us. Those that you bring, those that you draw to us in however way you choose to do that. So we thank you for the spirit of faith. We thank you for the spirit of love. Thank you, Lord, for all the practical ways in which both that faith and love will be expressed in our lives. We thank you for that cleansing power of your precious blood that frees us from the guilt of unbelief and from all the failure to love, all the selfishness that hinders our love for others. We thank you for the flow of that precious blood, Lord. We pray that the living water that flows from your throne will flow through our lives daily so that your life will be expressed in our lives and will flow out of us as rivers of living water, just as you said. Flowing out from our deep innermost being because you have put things right in our deep innermost being through your blood, through that living water, in the power of your Holy Spirit. And we thank you, Lord, we bless you. Let's just pray in the Spirit, pray. Pray over your life in the spirit. Papa papara sandaria leto, papa papara sitri sandaria leno masuntama. Papa papara sandaria leto, papa papara sandari sandaria masuntama. Papa papara sandaria leto, papa papara sandari santama. Papa Paparia letto, Papa Papara Santari Sandaria letto, Papa Papa Carasantas. Papa Papara Sandaria letto, Papa Papa Para Santari Santari. Papa Papara Sandaria letto, Papa Papara Santari Santari. Papa papara sandaria letto, papa papara sandari sandaria letto, papa papara sandari sandari. Papa 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 kala sandari sandaria letto, papa papa papara sandari sandaria letto. Papa 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 sandaria letto, papa papara sandari sandaria letto, papa papara sandari sandari. 
So the people said to Joshua, whatever you have commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Are you ready to affirm that over your own life? Whatever you have commanded me, Lord, I will do. And wherever you send me, I will go. Is there an amen to that? Now just after that, the people said, whoever rebels against your word, meaning the word that Joshua brings to them from the Lord, whoever rebels against your word does, and does not obey your words, whatever you may command them, will be put to death. Now, we've always got the shotgun loaded, but we've never yet used it. There's always the threat to shoot disobedient students at dawn, but we have never actually done it. Because we believe under the new covenant, God has a different way of operating. Hallelujah. But the fact that the people said that shows how intent they were, how fully they were really saying from their hearts, whatever you have commanded us, we would do. Wherever you send us, we will go. And whoever rebels against your word and does not obey your words, whatever you may command them, will be put to death. Well, they mean business. But we don't need to put anybody to death. The point is that disobedience is death. You know, it, it's spiritual death rather than spiritual life. So we don't want any of it in our lives, do we? Hallelujah. So we thank you, Lord. We thank you for your loving kindness and patience. Thank you for your mercies that are new every morning. Thank you, Lord, that, that you won't put any of us to death through disobedience and we won't be putting anybody to death. But, Lord, we want to really flow in the fullness of your life that we have in Christ Jesus. And, Lord, I just pray that all of us will be really intent, just as the people were then. We don't need to make a threat like that, but they really meant it when they said, Whatever you have commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. And of course, they did that as they crossed the um, Jordan. They did that, and they took Jericho. Hallelujah. Some disobedience filtered in a bit later on. But at first, they really did fulfill what it was they said to Joshua. So can we affirm that we are going to put what we are saying this morning into operation? We're going to put it into practice. This is not just a spiritual time because it's an 8 o'clock at Rafi. 
Hallelujah. God is talking to us about what is going to be outworked in practice in our lives. Very practical ways. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for obedient hearts. Thank you for submissive hearts. Thank you for faithful hearts. Thank you for hearts after the heart of Jesus. Humble, humble, gentle hearts for servant hearts. Thank you, Lord, for good hearts, that if the heart of the tree is good, the fruit will be good. So we praise you, we bless you, we thank you for the sanctifying power of your spirit. We thank you for the purifying power of the water of life. We thank you for all the mercy and forgiveness you give us through the blood of Jesus. Thank you that these three agree. Hallelujah. And we bless your holy name. We praise your holy name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.